Salut. Bienvenue au podcast de Tribble Trip. Welcome to the Travel Tribe podcast. We're going to get started six years ago, kind of where our friendship began. We were on the beautiful island of Kotao, where the sun sets one of the most glorious sunsets. The food is delicious. You have panang curry. You have all these delicious foods. And you had come by, and I had recommended that you should become a scuba diver, which you decided that you would try the course. And after (laughs) (laughs) hours of learning, I realized that you weren't paying attention at all. And it came time to get ready for our first dive, which was a, a beautiful day out on the, uh, I think it was Chump on the site we were on, or maybe Twins, I'm not sure. And uh, we, we have the dive brief, and we go downstairs <laughs> to get ready. And uh, we all get suited up. Everyone's ready to jump in. And you look at me baffled and confused and uh, <laughs> asking me how, how you're I'm supposed to get into your BCD, your, your kind of your jacket for diving, because you had put the BCD on your scuba tank. So my question <laughs> for you is, how could you be such a terrible survivor? <laughs> well, you know, I think I think it's all. I love those stories that get better and better every year. You know, I wonder, I wonder what I'm gonna wear this suit in like ten years from now. You know, I think I'm gonna be putting it on a boat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably jumping, jumping naked to the to the ocean or do something even worse. You know, I have these stories too. I have these stories too. They, they every year like wine, just getting better and better. Yeah, they marinate, and each time you tell the story, it just gets better and better, right? There's a shark waiting outside yeah. the water, and you're jumping in because you don't know what to do. Exactly, exactly. That's sharks. Sharks I, actually happened there. Yeah, but we weren't there anymore. But I like that you, this weekend you actually kind of threw me off because for the first time you've heard the story so many times. You pondered the question right back in my court, and it left me wondering. You said, "Why were you such a shit teacher that you allowed me to do that?" Yeah, you know, I've, done, <laughs> I've said that. I've said it so many times. I'm thinking. You know everything. It's just it's, it was just too easy. You know, yeah. like obviously I was I was I was in the first row in your class because it just had one row, and uh, <laughs> and if you can't, the first row of students can't follow the most um, fundamental rules. Something's wrong with the teaching. You know. Yeah. It made me think a lot since Sunday. I said, why am I not taking re- responsibility for, for that action? My student put a whole BCD over a tank, and I'm blaming him. I should take apolog- I should take ownership <laughs> for that. You did. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, all right, let's get started. What I wanted to bring you on here was for, I think you have a very interesting uh, journey, and um, we have a lot of similarities. We always have really That's good chats, sure. uh, whenever, whether we're scuba diving, whether we're hiking, whether we are snowboarding. And I wanted to uh, get you on here to kind of share some of your uh, perspectives on life, business, and uh, things like that. So I wanted to maybe start somewhere like a couple of years ago, we were hiking and I remember this really distinctly. We had uh, gone for a walk in the mountains and you had told me uh, we were sitting there and you were telling me about how you had wanted to start this business. And uh, guys days out, right? <laughs> What's yeah. that? We did the opposite of nice nights, uh, guys night out. We yeah. did the night, the guys day out. Yes. Nice guys in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> something, something, something profoundly ours. <laughs> this button's going to be so useful for me today. Um, and so I remember you telling me about this, uh, this idea of yours to start this company um, with automated robotic processes, right? Robotic process automation. Yeah. R- RPA. Okay. And uh, you had interestingly had made it sound like it was going to be much easier than it really was. And I, I know that 
from your story that ended up being a lot more harder than I originally thought. But I wanted to kind of follow that story and follow kind of your your the way you kind of think about things, because I think it's pretty interesting. So can you walk me back to that moment where you decided that you were going to leave the corporate lifestyle and go into full entrepreneurship mode? Oh, I was six. So I never kind of I never kind of went into the corporate lifestyle. Okay. Uh, when I was six, I decided to be a multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like a uh, adult decision. I knew what I wanted in my, my life. I want to walk barefoot and be rich. That's that's everything I wanted when I was six. Then during my life, I, I soon realized I wasn't ever about money. I just, you know, I think I wanted to have fun mm-hmm. during anything I want. And kind of, I found freedom to be a key to to the, to the fun because mm-hmm. I, I always wanted to do things my way. So I would start making some money online when I was 14, uh, coding some games. I was, uh, you know, testing things out and looking for the perfect idea. Probably we'll never find it. Mm. But everything I did, uh, like an entrepreneur, let's say, um, which was mostly failures, obviously, because this is what 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 entrepreneurs do. Mm-hmm. They fail. Uh, it was it was fun to me. You know, it was it was fun. And uh, this idea, this idea was just another just just another idea you know I, I i i had a little uh had a little step back i went to work my only my only job uh as uh, as not my thing and as soon as i started i was like oh two uh two years stops i can't stand here for longer than two years because i will never be whatever i wanted to be mm-hmm. and uh so as soon as i started i was looking around uh, ideas talking to people and thinking what is my way now like i finished i finished two of my businesses with a small success, but not really. And I was looking for, for something else. Mm-hmm. And what do you think was the reason why you have always been, is there anything that kind of sets you apart on why you wanted to kind of do things your way and be entrepreneurship instead of kind of following, you know, the mainstream of what everyone else kind of, or majority of people follow, which is, you know, craving safety and comfort. What kind of, do you think inspired that, that to go against the stream? That's interesting. Safety, first thing, safety was never an option. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like safety. Safety is boring to me always. Mm-hmm. Like when we talk about, hey, be safe, have a, uh, some stability. That's like, always seemed like the most boring things. Um, so I think I've never had the need for safety and stability. Uh, second thing I think helped a lot. It was I was since the very, very small kid, I was allergic to work. Mm-hmm. I was simply, I simply hard work with something, you know, like broccolis, like two, two of the things I hated the most hard work and broccolis. So whatever my mind, um, qualified as work was a bad thing. So I was thinking like, there were so many smart philosophers thinking, uh, saying that if you find what you like in your, in your life, you don't have to work. And I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. there is the, the there is the famous saying: if you if you like what you do, you never work. You're not gonna work one day, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, I want that. I don't want to work one day in my life. So there has to be something playing on my rules that brings you money or brings you, you know, food, life. But it's not qualified by my brain as work. I was just, you know, constantly searching. I was thinking I'm gonna end up in the gaming, um, gaming industry because I love games so much. Uh, but then it re- I realized it's not about, it's about creating stuff. 
and and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be games. It can be creating cool um, working environment, mm. for example. Yeah, which you're good at. I want to talk back. I uh, talk a little bit more about this. How you said you have no, none of this fear, kind of, and none of this need for safety and uh, comfort, which I think is really interesting because I think that's something interesting about you is that when you, for example, have an idea or for example, someone tells you about an idea, you just say, just do it. You take action right away. And I'm curious on how you, for example, bypass that fear that most people have. You know, for example, we were just chatting yesterday and I was telling you about some kind of property I was thinking about buying and you just said, just do it. You know, and I know that's, that's something that you would do too. You wouldn't even think about it. While for me, I do a lot of analysis and thinking and things that how, how do you bypass that fear uh, setting or do you just not have it? Yeah, I think it's like when you ask somebody, somebody very skinny, who always been very skinny, like, how can you lose weight? Mm. That person doesn't know, you know, they just doesn't know. know. Like a, 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 a obese person can, uh, can ask, hey, how do you do it? And they, they're just born this way, yeah. you know? <laughs> Like I just eat O's all day and Twinkies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Exactly. So I think you know, always, always, like risk always seemed like fun, mm-hmm. you know. And I think I'm actually less and less than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting getting older and older, but still, this is this is this is my nature. I think. Mm-hmm. But you never had, for example, a feeling like, for example, man, what if I don't make it? What if I'm broke? What if I? Don't oh, have of a course place I do. Stay? Of course I do. Mm-hmm. What helps me most here is the worst case scenario uh, exercise. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I started sales, um, and I remember how stressed I was before selling anything. Mm-hmm. I was on my mind. I was so stressed. I was ima- I was imagining what if. Uh, whatever I sell don't bring as much benefit for, for the customer. Always imagining, you know, this person like knocking my door with a shotgun and like threatening my family. I'm like, no, this is not like, this is not the real threat here. Like at the end of the day, it was like, oh, like, you know, too bad. Like mm, we expect that more. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is what I was afraid of. This is why I uh, postponed calls for, for weeks. Um, so when you realize that worst case scenario is always much better than you think it is, mm. worst case scenarios aren't too bad, yeah. you know. And and business and taking taking risk, like if you if you if you base jumping, probably the worst case scenario is death. Yeah. But if you invest, I don't know, thousand dollars in something, worst case scenario is you lost thousand dollars. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I feel like when you take the time to think about it, you it's actually not so bad. But you know. For some reason, it kind of creeps up on you like these creeps. You forget about it that, you know, what's the worst happen? You start this business, right? You make money. And the worst thing that happens is it it goes away. I mean, you you had fun and you had fun. You learned. Yeah. And you are maybe not smarter, but more more experienced. And Mm -hmm. you know more what you like and what you don't like. Yeah. So, you know, what is life if not just 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 a uh, combination of experiences and Mm -hmm. this is this is the cool experience you want to get yourself into yeah yeah i totally agree with that it's kind of funny how like sometimes the mind just kind of gets trapped up in these ideas of you know making as much money or doing this but you're right it's it's all about the experiences and even if it doesn't work (laughs) out then you can always just have uh that experience and lessons you learn from at at the end of it yeah when you started when you started you also didn't never thought oh this is so risky this is i'm gonna risk my life (laughs) <laughs> because, I might have. <laughs> have you? Have yeah, you? I think I think because I think that's where we're different. I think that's what yeah. that's what I think is interesting about you is that you don't have this 
like <laughs> I overthink things. I let them marinate and they get worse and worse. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be shamed <laughs> out of my family, you know, like thrown on those corners of Chicago and people are going to ridicule me, throw tomatoes every day. Be like, don't, you know, parents walking their kids and be like, don't end up like that guy, you know, trying to start a cap and gown business. And I'm sitting there begging for quarters, you know, <laughs> with 4,000 graduation gowns. <laughs> well, but when you think about it, when we, we've talked about this so often, right? Yeah. But you, we're so comfortable investing in uh, ideas that we had no idea about. Right. Like, hey, let's invest in some Fortune 500 companies, yeah. right? You don't know the, the CEOs. You don't know anybody. No. You don't know the business model no. very often. But be like, yeah, Tesla, mm, that sounds smart. That sounds like very good allocation for my money. But then, oh, my idea, my learning, my experience and trying something new, oh, what if I lose $1,000? Will I have to go back to work and work for $1,000? It doesn't seem like dying. Yeah, I, that's exactly what uh, I think you're, you're spot on with a good point. I mean, if you're investing $1,000, a couple of thousand dollars in a company where you don't know if the CEO is blowing it all on cocaine and hookers <laughs> on the weekend, then you're like, yeah, this is a good investment. Yeah, Instead of betting on yourself for once in your life to see, can you pull things off and learn things? I mean, there's a, it's a huge night and day difference. Yeah, because look, the Tesla drops 50%, mm -hmm. you lost 50%. You drop 50% for like your investment lost 50% of the money you invested. You learned on the way. Mm. You don't learn shit when yeah. you invest in Tesla, right? <laughs> you invest, don't invest in Tesla anymore because it's a shitty investment. Maybe. <laughs> that's that's the best you can get out of it. You just learned that your money went to go fund someone's <laughs> cocaine problem. You know? <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, okay. I could have, you know, paid myself to do that cocaine. <laughs> yeah, you could you could at least have learned something. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's so great uh, to, to kind of think about that, to bet on yourself. And we've talked about this as well, of, of taking that kind of bet on yourself and seeing how things work out. But that kind of also leads to failure. And me personally, when I first started my uh, Amazon business, you know, the first six months were brutal for me. Like I remember I put so much time and effort. I created this website and uh, I thought, man, for sure, like people are going to come <laughs> knocking on the door on the website, <laughs> buying gowns left, right and center. And, and then all of a sudden I, I track after two months of building this website, right, trying to make sure everything's beautiful. I have two visitors and it's like me and my mom. And uh, <laughs> where is this button? Hey. <laughs> and and you know, I was like just shocked about my my cons, uh, my conception of myself of what I can achieve was like brought back to reality. Where I, I was now looking back, and I'm like, "Whoa, what a clown!" You know, like why did I think that people were just going to come storming to this website <laughs> for a brand that they have no idea about to buy gowns? You know, uh, you wish, you yeah, wish, you right? Wish. And then, but that was such a good lesson for me because it showed me that there's actually like so much that goes into it with branding and content marketing and uh, trying to you know create. I mean, the full business spectrum, right? And so those first six months for me. I worked really, really hard. I don't think I've ever worked so hard on something. And uh, at the end of the six months, I made like $1,000, which was like nothing for the amount of work. I mean, mm -hmm. I made probably like a quarter an hour. But looking back on it, it was like one of the greatest things because I was about to give up. And then, you know, I had this mentor who said... I also started the ball rolling, right? Yeah. The, this mentor I was talking to said, hey, man, I think you're onto something. Just try a different different uh, approach. approach. And then that's when I started using Amazon, which makes a lot of sense nowadays. Um, and things kind of took off. But that failure was like, I think, where the greatest lessons come from. H how have you viewed failure and what have been your biggest failures? Mm, shit, your friendship with you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I honestly have no idea what's my biggest failure. You know, there's nothing that kind of sticks out because, like, I can think of mine. Or another good question is, when have you failed last? You know, that's another good one to think about. Damn, definitely, you definitely when you when you count small failures, mm. you fail every day. Mm. I my brain. Uh, I think it's wired a little differently because I, uh, I'm very good at remembering my successes mm-hmm. and I'm really good at forgetting my failures. Okay. I think it, it, it helps me prevail and, and then they go forward. So whenever you ask me for, for successes, I can go on and on with the list. You love yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then when you ask me for failures, I have to focus mm-hmm. because I, I think what I do is like, a failure is a feedback. You mm. take feedback, but you don't want to, you know, whine about, oh, I'm so bad. You want to take the lesson out and forget about the reason. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I, it's, it's how I work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think, you know, like you, you fail every day. Mm-hmm. That's, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. That's obvious. But I'm not going to be, you know, sitting at home and be like, oh, why did I do that? Yeah. No. I'm like, okay, I did that. Lessons learned. Let's do things differently from now. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, because for me, they, they stand out. Like, I know exactly where they are, and I can identify that feeling, but that was such a powerful driving force in making sure that the change is there to make sure it doesn't happen again or that I learn from it, right? Yeah. So that's when, I, when I think about my biggest failure is, uh, is fighting, is street, my street fight, my biggest street fight when they broke my nose. You know, I realized, I realized when I, that I could talk out myself of this trouble. It was like, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago. And I realized, damn, Talking out of troubles, it's such a useful skill because I wouldn't be able to fight off seven seven guys, but I could definitely make them laugh and make them leave me alone mm-hmm. and, and high fives them high five them and be be almost kind of be friends with them. That's that's unlimitless, you know. Like mm-hmm. you can't beat seven guys, but you can definitely make friend makes friends with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when I started to realize how powerful uh, just talking to people is. Mm. So, so that's, that's first thing that comes to my mind as the biggest breakthrough moment in my life. Mm. And what was the process like after that? Cause I, you, I remember you telling me that, yeah, you had a pretty, pretty bad, uh, experience and someone had broken your nose, these, these guys. And what was kind of going through your head afterwards? Now I was uh, afraid of going out when mm. I was with dark mm. and was like a uh, little girl whining. <laughs> and that's, 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 I'm never going to go out and, like, and I'm afraid of people. <laughs> I know if, you, if this is the emotion you want to go through. And then I was like, uh, you know, like I definitely, your friends, I definitely, your friends are like, Hey, let's go play soccer. You're like, no, 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 maybe we, maybe we can play on the foosball table downstairs or online. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I definitely two things started to uh, attend more, uh, martial arts classes mm. and then starting to read psychology and influence books like crazy. Mm. Uh, and I realized that convincing people to do ideas, uh, it's the strongest power in the world. Mm. At least this, this is what I think. Mm. And you're really good at sales and persuading people. What are, what are kind of, what are, have you found to be most effective at, at doing that? Uh, I know it's, it's like, it has to be almost somebody's idea. You know, I think there is always fire in you for, for some idea mm-hmm. and find a common ground that my idea and your idea is uh, is common, mm-hmm. and we're gonna get some of your idea, some of my idea. We're gonna, you know, find find the the sweet spot mm-hmm. when when you get excited about whoever think of that first. Doesn't matter. Let's just you know boost each other 
towards the the, the one thing. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I don't know if this makes sense. It's, yeah, no. it's like, you know, made up on the spot. Yeah, it's kind of hard to ex- explain as well because I think it's you have to, each situation is different and uh, you have to, um, you know, see how the situation plays out with what kind of people as well, right? But I think that's something you're really good at. You you can, for example, convince someone who has, you know, a fear of leaving their safety and comfort zone to come join you on a trip for a month to Barbados or somewhere like that. You know, I think that's a talent that you, you possess. And also, I think um, imagining the situation of how, how great things are going to be when you when we do things. Yeah, visualizing. Like, but yeah, bu- building the, the, the image mm. as... Uh, is also also helps because yeah. we're afraid of things we have we don't know what to expect from mm-hmm. uh, like this podcast and not sending me any questions <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, whenever you can visualize something for someone it's like oh it's this seems common this seems like something familiar mm-hmm. so so then we 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 drop the fear mm-hmm. and I think this is the worst case scenario exercise might be very very similar here yeah. when we imagine okay like if the worst case scenario is visualized, I don't, I don't I'm not, I'm not afraid of it anymore. Mm, yeah. I'm not afraid of, of it anymore. That's super powerful. Um, so going back to kind of your entrepreneurial um, journey, what have you got kind of learned over the years as you've kind of started, uh, you know, what kind of seems small and then kind of started to grow and having to manage people? What, what have been some of the lessons that you've kind of learned over the, over the journey? The money is overrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the biggest lesson because I I, I was uh, I was in it for for money, but I very fast realized, oh, money doesn't change much as soon as you have some, mm-hmm. and then and then I realized I don't know I don't even think this is like a uh, entrepreneurial realization, mm-hmm. but but like more of a life realization that we should always optimize our lives for happiness. So we should always like we are so bad as people. To think what gives us happiness and we start you know we chase things that don't make sense and at the end of the day everybody wants to be happy so i think this is the the most important question what makes you happy for me it's having great people around having making people around me happy mm. and i realize i can put this everywhere you know i can it can like it's it's very obvious for your relationship right mm. it's so easy to to think of what makes your uh your spouse happy mm-hmm. about right but it's it's also quite natural for for groups of friends like hey we you, we deal with each other because we want to make each other happy we want to have have a lot of fun and i think i'm uh quite good at guessing what's gonna ha- what's gonna be what's, what's gonna be fun for them mm-hmm. so um, you know nothing brings me more joy than than organizing a uh, happy events for mm-hmm. them and i realized that business surprisingly can be the same thing mm. like if if my goal is to make all of my team happy they will be happy to provide the best quality they can yeah that's yeah. powerful we, and that's something we were talking about before is meaningful relationships with meaningful people and having meaningful experiences and uh i also feel the same way regarding business as well like you know selling things on on online for example can be very monotonous and can be draining you know you have to count inventory check quality take pictures like these things could be very boring and i also try to do the same thing as try to have as much fun with it you know when we do photo shoots for our uh, regalia that we're selling we 
make sure we have fun with it. You know, we're bringing champagne, we have music going, mm-hmm. and it's like it's 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 just doing it's, it's, your way, right? Yeah, it's, it's it's just so much more fun and enjoyable when we're like, hey, we're having a photo shoot, which is like a fun event, as opposed to being like, oh man, we got to go shoot these like clothes. You know, I have a question t- yeah. for you, right? Yeah. Because you you said like on the way, you also learned doing your business. You also learned that um, investing in yourself and your ideas is mm-hmm. the smartest thing. And you keep saying for the last three years that you're going to hire somebody <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to grow a team and then you're going to grow the business having a, a team of fun people. You know, yeah. at some point I was like, oh, maybe you're very bad at hiring people and you're afraid of hiring people. And then I sent you two CVs of people who want to work with you. And you know what? <laughs> You've never hired them. Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. And I've been pondering that. And I think it's. It's a tough question for me to answer. I know. I love this one. <laughs> yeah, I know. You've asked me this before, and you guys, like, assaulted me last time we were in the car. We were like, just say it. Why? Why have you done this? <laughs> no, I, you know, I keep, I keep asking you this question, like, every six months, probably, for the last three years. Yeah, I think it's because I already have, hmm, I mean, I'm already working with my family, and they're kind of doing the things that are <clears throat> the difficult part, right? Moving boxes, shipping things out. And so I'm basically working with customers. And I think by working with customers, it allows me to see, get a better insight of what people are missing, what people are looking for. So when there's a problem, I kind of see like, oh, there's an issue. Like I'm getting more of a rounded insight of what's going on, you know? What about, because I know how much you value growth and, and doing new things. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't be changing continents every four years if you didn't yeah and um and then you've been doing this this customer um customer caring service, mm-hmm. service for for last i don't know what three four years now five yeah. five years so you know exactly everything inside out and uh what keeps you doing it yeah i don't know i think i maybe also enjoy it as well i find maybe a small amount of satisfaction in providing a solution to and working customer. 17 hours per, per day for two months <laughs> a year <laughs> yeah you, you seem very satisfied these I, periods you know, you know like hey Jordan, can we meet yes sure in three months when all of the <laughs> all of the graduations finish yeah for sure that sounds like a lot of fun that sounds like jordan that's interesting i don't that's a very good question i also think maybe i like the adrenaline rush of it i, I really do like it's just so much going on mm-hmm. um that i enjoy the adrenaline of it But then maybe also there's uh, maybe a slight fear that someone's going to mess something up if I, I'm not in charge of it, you know? And I, I know it's like a low level of thinking of... So that the, the worst case scenario comes back, huh? Yeah. Like you think you're basically, it's going to... It's going to sink your company. Yeah, like one yeah. bad review is going to start a, a, a flawed and you're going to die under bad reviews. Uh, yeah, I'm being the one getting tomatoes thrown at me and I'm being like, hey, don't be like that guy because he wants such he a wants hired someone to do his outsourcing work. Well, it's such a pity you're not a teacher and yeah. you could teach somebody how to do it properly, right? Oh my gosh, I know. But, you know, and then I, I also think what it is, and I've been thinking about this as well, is like, what would I do if I outsourced myself you know like I'm well, <laughs> what do you mean by outsourcing what, what would I you do? do i don't know step next step i don't what is the next step i know you tell me like, i don't know you, that's what like you've been, you've been chasing out. next steps your entire I life know. like you're living you're living countries you're living yeah. continents yeah constantly looking for the next step yeah. and here's like no <laughs> that's that's exactly what i want to do for the rest of my life yes yes sir two guns this address This is, I'm being like very proud. I sent it perfectly. Nobody could have ever sent 
this gone better than I did. I used PDF. I made sure everything was written down. It's nicely packaged. <laughs> You're exactly. right, dude. But th that's the thing is that uh, I think the next thing I'm wondering is, you know, how would it look like to make things bigger? What, what would it like growth look like? What What's the next step? Would it be people hiring out to find new products, sourcing things? You know, like that's a, that's a really good. There is, there is so many ways. But the, the question I, I think I want to ask, because you keep changing your life, mm -hmm. are you looking for for better or looking for different? I mm -hmm. think it's a big question, you know? That is a good question. This actually reminds me, this kind of question stumbled me, stumped me actually. Last year I was at this, uh, <laughs> I was at this bachelor party, which was a sober bachelor party, except that some people were taking drugs. <laughs> Very and, sober. Uh, <laughs> sober drugs. <laughs> there were drugs. They said, hey, it's going to be a sober bachelor party, but there's going to be drugs. I uh, suppose it was an aspirin. <laughs> no, it was not aspirin. And uh, it was funny because I, I, I don't really do drugs. So everyone dropped Molly and they had all these like, you know, this little ceremony of, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. But we had a little, little brotherly. Gratitude? Yeah. It was in gratitude ceremony. It was kind of like to open up the whole four-day event and everyone sat around candlelights um, and they dropped the molly and then they said, you know, where they were in their lives, you know, what kind of stage of life they were, how they're feeling and kind of what they wanted out of this whole experience. And so we were doing that. And then when we finished that up, I was sitting in the coffee uh, or so I was sitting in the kitchen having a coffee and my friend comes up to me. And I could tell <laughs> he's looking at me. And I could tell the Molly finally hit because he's he's like his jaws kind of moving. He's staring mm -hmm. at me and he's like, and I was like, what is it? Like, tell me what's going on. He's like, what are you looking for? You know, you're always mm -hmm. looking for something. What are you, what are you searching for? Uh -huh. You know? And he kind of stumped me because I didn't expect him to ask that question. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, what am I looking for? <laughs> enjoy my coffee with eight dudes in a mountain. We were high on Molly. <laughs> looking for, looking for some space. Um, but it's a good question. I think I'm looking for, Basically, I know we have a limited amount of time on this earth, and I think one of the things I value most is time. Customer service. And customer service. <laughs> Making sure that packages are shipped on time. And, uh, it's it's good to get your priorities straight. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that I want to, in the short amount of time, to really squeeze out every last drop, you know, like when you have like a, a you know, a, let's say you're pouring drinks for someone, you want to make sure that last drop is squeezed, you know, that, that at the end mm -hmm. of the day, at the end of the party, everything is out that you possibly can. And I think that's what really, really drives me is that I don't want to waste my time, which clearly I'm now thinking, <laughs> making <laughs> sure that products are delivered on time. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm, when I feel, when I feel stagnation, because like coming back, uh, sorry, mm. sorry to interrupt yeah. you here, but like coming back to reason behind where you started Carpet DM and where you started the online business, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it wasn't for the action of writing emails to your customers. No. It was for something different. Yeah. So it's not this, what you're afraid of dropping. It's not this of what you're afraid of giving up. Mm. It has to be something different. Yeah. When I originally started Cafe Diem, the whole intention was I was pissed off that in our MBA program, we kept having hypothetical situations where they said, hey, you have a million dollars. You're going to export a U.S. product to Brazil. What do you do? And everyone says, well, I'm going to hire the hottest yoga influencer models mm -hmm. and they're going to sell my pants and or whatever the heck you're selling. And everyone did this and we did this. And I said, well, that's very different with what real life is like. You know, what happens if I put my own money behind well, a product? And 
since we were graduating, we had the Germans who didn't want to pay for the graduation regalia. And so I asked our graduation director. Just Germans. Yeah, the Germans. They don't want to pay anything. You know, it's really funny. They told their professors that they're not even going to buy textbooks. And that surprised me because <laughs> for my whole college career, I, each each semester, I had to spend three to 500 bucks on books. And I thought I had to. And I, I think everyone in the U.S. was like, yeah, well, this is just part of the way it works, right? Uh-huh. And these Germans came to our university and they said, no, no, it's not, not going to happen. Dude, they're like, they literally said no. On the first day, the, the, the professor gives a syllabus and is like, yo, these are the books we're going to need. They literally look him in the yeah, eye and said, that fuck it, you. Yeah, they said, fuck you and your system. We're not buying shit, you know? And I was like, I was like, ah, I'm like, no, you guys, you guys have to do it. That's the American way. Make sure you guys buy the books. We and need macro. You pay for everything in the US. You pay for everything. And then all of a sudden, the professor ends up bowing down in like two weeks. He's like, all right, guys, I'm going to send the PDF version just because you guys are international students. Boom, 500 bucks saved Boom, times 40 for everybody, students. right? 40 students, 500, do the math real quick. You're $20,000. $20,000 saved. Same thing happens as graduation season, right? And so we're graduating. Everyone's excited because they're, they're foreign students. They have a real college experience, you know, wearing the graduation mm-hmm. gowns and Absolutely. throwing everything in. We're coming in Florida and everyone's parents fly in. And so then I was thinking the same. I, I hear them rumblings. Oh, we got to pay to rent this stuff from these monopoly companies, which I hate mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm, they're my competitors. But I still hate them <laughs> because I hate monopolies. You know, it's greed. It's greed that drives it. You know, like, it's like, like last fuck you where you're saying, hey, you're graduating. You have to pay $100 for a gown because we have an exclusive uh, contract with your school. And so that's when I asked our gra- uh, program director. I said, "Hey, can can we can I find an alternative spot to have these um, gowns for our students?" And she says, "Oh, don't worry, Jordan. Like I have one for you from last year, so you can just take this one. But yeah, don't don't like buy them for other people because this is not going to match a style. But this one is you know the way it is." And so I found the supplier, uh, had them express deliver a sample to me, and I asked a few people my um, cohort. I said, "Hey, if you guys want to do this, we'll save you know forty people times I don't know, say forty bucks." We'll save $1,600. We can donate to charity. We can have a party uh, or you guys can just keep the money. And all but two of the Americans say, hey, we're behind you. And so we started. And then that was kind of the idea where I was like, when I finished and graduated, I said, hey, I really want to try something where I'm actually using real you know, a real business. And so that's kind of what with this initial start of Cafe Diem was, was to find just anything to kind of, because I think that's what you t- mentioned earlier. And I think one problem that many people that are interested in entrepreneurship have is that they want to find the perfect product, the perfect service. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that really exists or it unless doesn't. people stumble upon it, you know, and I don't think it does either. It's like my original idea was very different to, than where we're at now, you know, <laughs> like we're almost selling like church gowns and stuff like that. Yeah. But it, it's, it's all about just starting somewhere and then listening to the customer, which is very important where I'm telling you why I do customer service and, and trying to figure out where things are pivoting, where the needs are so you can meet that. And so it seems like, it seems like it's all about creativity, creating stuff mm-hmm. as like starting new things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, like make maybe, maybe even making a little difference, mm-hmm. maybe making a little impact. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems to like like those emails are very important to this, yeah. for this goal. But, you know, kind of talking back about... To about <laughs> sorry, to, sorry for the roast, you know? Like, this, I'm invited here. Yeah, I'm invited this, here this email too. thing. I think I'm never going to do customer service ever again, huh? But I, the one thing I actually do also enjoy is I like to... What I do is I want to kind of create the spirit of, like, really being excited for people when they graduate. Because I know it's really important mm-hmm. for people. You know, we have people who have graduated that are, like, for example, from Italy. Or people have been, 
you know, studying for years. It's, it's such an important day from almost like their wedding where it's like the one of those one rare moments where all the attention's on you. You know, that's high school graduation, college graduation, your wedding and your funeral. Those are like the limited amounts of times where all the attention's on you. And, and you don't have too much, too much joy on the last one. So it's yeah, basically you, three, you don't three get to enjoy that last one. Right. And so I think that's what I try to create is a spirit of kind of celebration. So when I write these <laughs> emails or we send out packages, we make sure that, you know, we have this kind of excitement surrounding this event. Like, hey, we're with you. And don't you think thing. you can um, kind of infect the other people with with the same joy and happiness? Like, hey, you know, I don't think I don't think this joy for somebody else's graduation mm. is a very unique feature of yourself. Mm. Like that can be. You know, just given given to someone else, like yeah. being being all, all, almost infected with it, and you know, and spread it. Yeah. Even you know, make even further impact. Yeah. It can be something different. It can be a different product. It can be something. Yeah, I really like that though. It's really cool that you are kind of, for example, you're on the ass of thousands of people, literally, uh, who are celebrating their their like most important moment, and like maybe it's justification on why you do what you do every day, right? Mm-hmm. Because what you're really doing is just taking a product, you're shipping out, you're doing customer service, the boring stuff, but you kind of justify it in that, hey, you're kind of sharing in the celebration because maybe if they didn't have that gown, maybe they wouldn't be able to walk that yeah. stage. So yeah, I don't know how we went from Molly dropping to uh, <laughs> back to roasting back you. To roasting me. <laughs> But to uh, answer your question in terms of searching for what what I'm looking for, and I think that's what it is, is experiences. You know, I want I this this like life we have is so short, and I just want to experience everything. You know, and uh, that's why when I think about some of my friends from high school who've never left like our county, yeah. uh, like for them it's a big deal to go down down to Chicago. You know, take the train mm-hmm. for them. It's like a once in a month or once in a couple months thing. It's like, hey, we're going down the city. For me to like leave and leave the country and leave and explore the world. And it's like, we're like two different people. I feel like the guy in Plato's uh, cave <clears throat> story where the guys left the cave and they saw a whole new world. And I think it's so hard for me to explain to them of like what the rest of the world looks like. And it's hard to go back to that kind of lifestyle. But I think about that monotony, that routine, that limited scope of a slice of what the world is about would I don't know. That would just be very sad for me, you know, yeah, and gotcha. there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. I know some people like that. Some people like consistency, like, like the people they know, they like being around their family. They like being around familiar. I understand that. And it's also the way your, your, your mind is wired, right? Yeah. Like you, like some people don't have risk mm. aversion. Some other don't have like need of routine mm. and um, things that repeat. Yeah. And I think I listened, especially as I got older, I listened to this gut feeling I have. It's this this, this intuition that something's telling me, hey, it's time to move on. You know, Mm -hmm. like you've kind of like when, for example, when I was living in Korea, I had a feeling. I said, okay, I've seen everything I wanted to see. Mm -hmm. I've experienced Asia, what I wanted to experience. I experienced teaching to the max of what I wanted to experience. I've met people from all over the world. And I'm ready for the next thing because otherwise I'm just I'm stagnating. I'm going through the steps. I'm literally just like someone hitting the play, play button at the day. And at the end of the night, it's, everything's repeated, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's pros and cons to that. You know, if you are consistently working on something and doing the same thing, you're going to get really, really good at it really quickly. But when you are leaving something, whether it's a career or a country, you know, you're starting from zero all over again. But for me, I think there is great growth in that as well, and that you are forced to make new friends, build your career, build whatever you're trying to do. And it forces you kind of like throwing someone into a pool where you have to learn how to swim. And then at the end of that lesson, 
I say at the end of that swimming session, you're coming away with new experiences, new memories, and new skills. Like, for example, living in Asia just made me so much more collective in my thinking. Coming from an American background, I'm just, just so individualistic. You know, yeah. like even just going to, to the to restaurant, you're like, oh, I want a Big Mac thing. But when in Korea, you're ordering for everybody. You know, when you have some kind of food or snack, you ask everyone first before you eat. And that, to me, was like this gem that I picked up. That you know? gives you a totally new perspective. I think this is what I get most from 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 traveling and living abroad, mm-hmm. as like you have a new perspective you've never had before because you look at things differently. And then whenever you're wherever you're gonna move next, you have this perspective with you mm-hmm. because you see like you look at things from collective way. For example, mm-hmm. right? You look at your life now and be like, oh, is my Korean. Jordan missing someone mm. in in my Polish life, for example. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think it's 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 for me it's kind of mind boggling to think about in the beginning because when I went to Asia, I had this mindset that when they do things differently, I'm like that's the wrong way, you know, mm-hmm. and that you have this mindset that your way, the way is the only good one, is the only way. Yeah. And when you think about them, you're like, oh, they're doing things so backwards. But then you learn why they do what they do and that it actually makes sense and that it actually works. And maybe well. you even prefer that and way It might now. even be better. For yeah. example, I love the fact that, you know, when you go out with friends to eat, you eat collectively. Yeah. I love that. It's such a f- way to bond people and it takes away oh, from Also, you can't go wrong with your one dish that everybody is eating yeah. something delicious yeah. and you got stuck with the worst I mean, plate, think right? Think about that. Yeah. When you, when you order, you know, the pressure you feel like what you want to order, you know, like you have this menu item and you don't want to be the one that makes the bad decision where everyone's <laughs> like, dude, he got the fish. Dude, he's going to be throwing up tonight. You're like, you know, we're in the middle of US and he's ordering fish. What an idiot, you know? And you watch everyone else eating, you know, their great meals and they're all happy and you're like, dude, I'm going to have diarrhea in 12 hours. <laughs> well, you know, collect you can just and at least, yeah, and at least if everybody gets it, you know, you're on this yeah, shit together. You <laughs> bonds you, you know, the next day. This actually happened to us. We actually went on a trip to Philippines together and we all got E. coli together. And it was a bonding experience. You know, I almost died. Actually, I don't Six know guys, I one toilet. Yeah. It was like eight of us. Next day, everyone was like, yo, are you guys feeling what I'm feeling? I almost crapped my pants. Actually, I don't know if I did crap my pants or not, but I was in class teaching. And all of a sudden, I felt it coming, and I, <laughs> I crossed my legs. And those were just standing. You know, I had them crossed. And we had just started class, and usually every hour we have a five-minute break. And we were just five minutes into the lesson, right? And I said, all right, time for a break. And they're all so confused. The kids are like, wait, what's going on? Like, we just started. I said, break now. <laughs> and I knew it was going to be violent, and I knew it was going to be bad. So I had to go up like two stories up. Uh, to a different level. It's gonna be violent. I, I couldn't imagine. I know the kids, someone would be in the toilet and they'd be hearing what's going on and I'd come out sweating. But it wasn't my fault. It was E. coli, you know? Yeah, like, for sure. That's when I found out that we ate something, you know, not healthy in the Philippines. But it's a, it's a bonding experience, right? So what is life then? If not, if not just experiences, right? <laughs> Man, I have way too many of those stories. I think too many, too many for the average person of, uh, yeah. To go through. To go through. Even a recent one where I was running and I don't know what happened, but I had to run home. I don't know if I made it. I don't know if I want to talk about this. Anyway, it's not important. Sounds like a uh, shitty, shitty story. It's a know? very <laughs> shitty story. <laughs> All right. We had talked about travel. I'm curious, how did you get into travel? What made you excited about traveling? You you have a really good mindset about you know changing your perspective. What got you originally into it? Uh, I guess my parents, my dad, mm-hmm. most of all, uh, he was, uh, born and raised in, uh, uh, 
in um, communist Poland mm. when you really couldn't travel too much. Mm-hmm. So he decided to do it. I don't know where he did uh, got the, his drive from, mm-hmm. but to do it, he became a international guide mm-hmm. and basically spent his his life showing other people in other countries, right? Mm-hmm. And it was uh, such a big need for for him and for for the family that we would spend every every year we would spend all of our savings on a f- whole family trip, two or three weeks trip. That would probably make ruin our family every year, you know. <laughs> and I, I think that the, we're financially ruined again this year. But why would happen? We would took that trip to Bulgaria, shit. Again? And that's exactly how it looked like, you know. You could really see looking at our fridge. Uh, that we don't have as much food as uh, after vacation than before, and that's and that's probably where but the lack. Had a tan, of- but you had a tan. <laughs> Eat your tan, kids. <laughs> so, so seriously, when I'm thinking about it, it probably gave me the the lack of uh, risk, um, fear. Because, because you know, my family would, would bath everything every year on <laughs> us having a great experience. And it also gave me the, the lack of love for things. I don't, we never cared about things, you yeah. know, like you, you give me, you give me things. I'm like, thanks. Yeah. But, <laughs> but why, what do I do with it? You know, it's, that's it's the, a thing. That's the last time I buy you a Christmas gift. Yes, <laughs> you know, buy me, buy me a jumping, jumping, <laughs> bungee jumping yeah. voucher or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and I think this made us appreciate moments, appreciate experiences and appreciate traveling because it was always, it wasn't all, it was all, it wasn't ever staying home. It was always, Hey, let's do something as much as we can afford. Mm. Let's go as far as it's not going to ruin our family. <laughs> uh, and it stayed with us, uh, stay with us. You know, I went for the, for the MBA program coming back with some crazy debt for, 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 for whatever money I had. But it was like a reasonable action for me. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to back home. And I'm going to pay off the debt just because I wanted to travel the world and experience the experiences I experienced. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I just talked to a mutual friend of ours a couple of weeks ago and he was supposed to go on the program and he didn't because he was focusing on his career. And now he's got regret, you know, and I think that's that's such a also a good indicator of like, you know, thinking about what if you're going to pursue something or not. It's like, you know, am I going to regret this? Because I think a job is a job is always a job, you know. But that global MBA program, I think those are highlights that I was going to stay with me for years, you know. For sure, for sure. Like living living four different countries in three different continents in in the, what fifteen months. Yeah, I was uh, with one crew, so having strong bond and strong, crazy memories. Yeah. Uh, for what for 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 some money when you think of, when you think about it being an adult uh is is some money you can you know you don't you don't worry about too right. much anymore right right absolutely and i think what i really liked about that program is like if you're tra- like <clears throat> if you're traveling you know the first few months i think are like the honeymoon stage everything is new you know everything is new you know new new restaurants new block new neighborhood you're living in new experiences new culture everything 
And usually after that, you kind of get used to things. But at that moment, you're switching countries again. So it's all over again. You know, now you're going to the next country, Poland, and you're like, oh, my God, everything is different here. And then you're going to China where everything's even more different. It's more different. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like no, no rules you, you learned in your life apply here. Yeah, nothing, dude. You're like, <laughs> uh, it was, yeah. And then not only that, but when you, when you leave, when you leave and go to a new country, that that frequently the hard part is of course is meeting new people but this whole time you're with the same crew and i think that's what makes that program so magical yeah. you know is that you're experiencing this whole thing not having to go to china and meeting you know four new friends but you're going with the same people that you just experienced germany and poland with, so you can trust them you know what happens if i you know have explosive diarrhea from this <laughs> food stand in china <laughs> and you know exactly what to expect from them but also everybody has their own perspective because we come from four different countries yeah. and we see and we look at the things from from so many from so many perspectives yeah. and that teaches you all right how the chinese experience uh, works for american polish or or german Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I really, really like that program. And it's so random that I stumbled upon it, but I think it was one of the best highlights uh, for me. And it kind of was the catalyst that actually started my business. I don't think I would have mm -hmm. started, definitely wouldn't be selling cap and gowns if I <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Free scouts either. <laughs> yeah, free scouts either. Thanks to those angry Germans, you know. I, yeah, I, check I, out the new collection. <laughs> yeah, check out the new collection, the angry yeah. Germans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but I also wanted to touch upon this. You were kind of talking a little bit earlier about, um, you were talking about, um, how you're kind of not, uh, you're not motivated by money or by products. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you think that developed? I, I think I just did. It was from the from the parents. Right? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. Like I, I don't I, I don't have the right answer, the the, mm. the the actual answer. But if I were to guess, I would say this. Mm. Um, like the 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 most valuable thing we've all we had every year was the vacation together. Yeah. It's a time with the family, so time with people, uh, but also experiencing something extremely new. Yeah, I th I think that's. Um, I think that's interesting because for me, it was when I had my younger brother, I was like an only child for a while. And then all of a sudden <clears throat> I had a younger brother who at that age would just take whatever he wanted and would just rip it up. And like, you know, <laughs> I had a basketball card collection gone, you know, money I saved up in a piggy bank gone. And it made me realize that those things can be just taken away so quickly, you know, that those material things can, you know, one day you can have them and one day, boom, boom gone. you know, they're gone. You yeah, know, nobody's going to steal your memories, yeah, right? Yeah, no one's going to steal your memories. And also, I think I think what make me depreciate things is is also traveling because when you travel and when when you change your bed 44 times within 15 months, you can't have too much of your luggage, right? right. You can't have you can't have 6,000 pounds of 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 your things. You have to have just the bare minimum. Yeah. To 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 keep going, to keep going like swiftly. Yeah. So So you realize that you don't really need things to experience the happy, the, the happiest times of your life or, or the, the mo most joyful. Right. Like you just go almost barefoot with, with just a couple of pants and, and shirts and that's it. You don't yeah. need anything else. I, I love that mindset. And I always have to remind myself, you know, when I get so safe, safe and comfortable and like build things up somewhere of like all of a sudden I start thinking like, oh, I really need, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. But I have to remind myself that, you know, all I need is a backpack with a couple of clothes, a laptop, and I'm like golden, you know, because uh, there's really not that much that you really need, you know? 
and you can get by with perfectly little and it's just less mental baggage. You know, I just have moved my apartment last week. to so much trash and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, why do I need, I don't know, like 15 colors of this or why am I, you know, it's, you build this stuff up that just, just mentally just stays with you, you know, that yeah. you don't really even need. And it's, I it's li- almost I like, a burden. It is a burden, dude. I like, I, that's why I, I'm interested is if I live in the city, have a small apartment just because it forces you to really optimize the amount of materials you have. You know, I think if I was optimally going to choose the place to stay in the city, it would be somewhere that has a really nice view and is small. Because I just don't want to accumulate all this trash. Every time I've moved, it's crazy how you accumulate all this stuff. And like, I don't know. You don't even realize how much you realize it. And then when you're moving, you're like, dude, like, for example, we in Korea, like we're fighting for all these like soccer trophies and medals. We had them all over the apartment. And then all of a sudden time to move. Like nobody wanted it. Like it hit the trash can within half a second. Yeah. When I moved with my girlfriend, (laughs) when I moved with my girlfriend, she had uh, notebooks from physics class from, I don't know, fourth grade or eighth grade. I'm like, why do we need this? Oh, it's just like, oh, because it's a, um, a, you know, a nice souvenir. But why do we need 80 of those? We're never going to go through every single of your notebook and be like, wow, look, on the lesson 27 of biology, you learned about human. Wow, I'm fine with you leaving one or two notebooks. But we had like whole boxes. Yeah. We ended up not uh, throwing them away, but putting in her mom's. <laughs> <That's> like- <laughs> but, but still... <laughs> That's why you, you you move it to a new location, so you feel like you made some yeah, kind of action, exactly. but you really didn't do anything. Yeah, exactly, right? and you pretend you don't <laughs> yeah, have them. <laughs> but they're still under the bed, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel that though. I had the same thing, but now I, I make it a point that I throw away at least some things, and I feel like I'm like kind of like scraping the fat off, you know. I think you know even the the exercise. If your if your house get on fire, mm. and you can just take five things out, ten things out, Go what is it? Just, 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 what'd you say? Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Yeah, that's the first thing. That's the first thing. Girlfriend, cat. And then fuck everything else. But then think maybe there is just a couple of objects that you have like strong emotional feeling towards. That's fine. You can have them, but you don't really, the thousands left, you don't need them. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. All right. Last thing I want to talk about. We were talking about this today and I said, why don't we just say it for the podcast? So you recently got into, you read Delivering Happiness, right? Yeah. What do you think about it? Well, um, I kind of mentioned it. I, uh, I kind of mentioned it. I think the, the biggest takeaway from this book is people are so bad at guessing what's going to bring them happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, when you ask people, why do, we, why do they do stuff? They will say, oh, because they want to be happy. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, like they forgot about their family. They forgot about <laughs> their friends. They forgot about joy and do crazy corporate life for, for 35 years <laughs> to be happy. And you ask them, are you happy? No, I'm hating it. But I do it to be happy. But so what's the, what's the goal here? Oh, because when I become senior executive vice president partner of blah, 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 I'm going to be happy. And then they realize they're 65 and they were miserable the whole life. Yeah. And like, hey, this is what you wanted. No, I hated it. Right. And people <laughs> and people keep doing it like generation by generation. People do things that make them miserable in having a goal of being happy. And, uh, and uh, like, what's, what's wrong with us? Mm-hmm. Like, why would we even do this? And when you ask yourself a question proactively and, and regularly, what makes me happy? 
not what will make me happy in 45 years, but what makes me happy on the way as well. Because like you shouldn't ever value your 70s more than you value now or your 30s or your 40s, whatever. Uh, then it's going to be barely ever the same answer. That's so interesting. So <clears throat> I was just talking to someone about this as well. And I had made the, the this one asked me the same question. I'm like, I don't know, what are you, what are you looking for? But I don't know, some crazy shit like that. And I said, well, you know, what I want is at the end of my life, you know, when I'm 80 years old, I want to look back and be like, yo, yeah, that was a good That life. was life. That Whoa, was life. high five, Jordan. Yeah, high five. Woo, that was it. And then they were like, so you're living for your 80 year old life. And it kind of, once again, I was like, Oh my God, one of those moments where I'm like, someone goes up I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, like, why would you live with the perspective of what your 80 year old self is? Cause you don't even know if you're going to get there. Absolutely. You know? Probably not. And <clears throat> the time that we have now is more valuable than the time we have at 80. Now I don't, see myself doing anything too crazy at 80 but who knows we'll see in <laughs> many years. if you're only healthy i, Maybe I, I, I would I expect you doing crazy shit yo i got this 19 year old girlfriend <laughs> dude down in Colombia, dude she's awesome <laughs> she doesn't want my money she loves me, <laughs> she, loves me. she likes my personality <laughs> and <Yeah>. my body <laughs> But you're right. You know, you should be living for the present moment. And everything you said makes so much sense. Is that why? Why do we lose focus of that? Why are we? Why are we getting blinded by this? And we just we we kind of put ourselves through this self sacrifice every day. We blind ourselves. We're like, no, if I just get through this for the next month, year, five years, ten years, we get into this routine before you know we before realize, we die. Before we die, <laughs> we're like, yo, yeah. But when you think about it, the other extreme doesn't make sense either. Like yeah. St- Steve Jobs used to say that go through this day as if it was your last or something like yeah. this. If it was my last, I would pro- be here. Yeah. We, <laughs> we doing we, we, Molly in the there, Yeah, there is, there is two things. We either, we either go crazy and like do cocaine and Molly or spend the last day with your family or with like your, your spouse or, or whatever, right? You're going to be but you don't want to do it every day, yeah. neither. You know, like you don't want to spend like saying goodbye to your parents every day. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to, to go to mountains and be like, yo, let's inject heroin. I've always wanted to do it. No, because you're gonna, you're gonna die sooner. <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want that. So I don't think this extreme makes sense. I think you still should have goals. You still should think of, hey, what do I want for myself when I'm 40? What do I want for myself when I'm 50? That's fine. But every day on the way, should like getting there should make you happier. Mm. And uh, I don't like the word should because maybe it shouldn't. But for me, it should. Mm. Every day on my staff for whatever goal. Because you don't even know if the goal is gonna 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 be something for you, you know. Yeah. You'd be like, "Oh, I've reached whatever I wanted my entire life." Meh, that's it. Yeah. Like sometimes, sometimes you walk three days to get on the on the summit of a of a mountain, and you get on the top and be like, "Oh, that's it. Fuck, yeah. let's go home. It's fucking freezing out. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Actually, no view because it's fog, and then my my knee hurts, and I want to yeah. get home, right?" And you have to have fun those three days. You have yeah. to have people around you. Like you have to, like if you didn't have fun on those three days, something doesn't make sense. But this relates actually to marathon training, which is really interesting. <clears throat> so you're taking like an 18 week training program, right? Mm-hmm. You're running four times a week. These terrible moments on Saturday morning where everyone else is like hungover or doing oh, something. Like the last bachelor party yeah, when like everybody that. woke up at, at <laughs> one and you already did like 27 miles or so. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you have to run the next day, right? And so it seems like such a brutal process and you're doing it, you're doing it. And then you get to the marathon and a marathon can last anywhere from, you know, the leads of like two hours and like 10 minutes to people in five, six, seven, eight hours. I mean, whatever. Let's say on average around four hours, right? Mm-hmm. This whole time you've been training for 18 weeks for this four hour race. That wasn't right? even pleasurable. And it's, <laughs> it's By no means. And But that's so true because at the end of it, like when you're reflecting on it, when you go through it, sure, it's nice. Your family is there. Your friends are there cheering you on. You feel endorphins and blah, blah, blah. It's great. Okay. It is what it is, right? But it wouldn't be any different than, yeah, it makes it slightly better than a workout, a good workout. But with people cheering you on and saying, oh, you did something cool. But when you think about it afterwards, you're like, dude, the whole journey, the, the training process was the real reward. You know, like the ability to have the self-discipline, the structure, the drive to to wake up early and make sure that you get all your training runs. And that's where like the, the real journey is kind of what you're saying is like you would get to the mountain, let's say the mountain peak, that, that marathon race, you finish in three hours and be like, oh, that was it. You know, like that wasn't it. But it was it was that journey. And I think that's what's the kind of the and probably also the, the, the training also makes you a different person. 100%. It teaches you something. It shows you something. Very often people do it because they want to prove themselves something. Yeah. Or they prove they can. And if you need that, go for it. You know, yeah. like, I'm just I'm just thinking like the the you have to enjoy both. The goal and the road. The journey, yeah. That's true. For me, it is probably the biggest life-changing tool. Marathon? uh, Marathon racing. It's the craziest thing. I I never was like a big runner. I hated running, actually. I was like, I despised it. And, you know, I kind of decided... Once, you know, I reached my 30s, I was watching this Goggins video and he's just like, you know, he runs like a hundred mile race without even, you know, any preparation. He almost dies, but whatever. And then I was like, man, like I was sitting there hungover after my birthday and I was like, (laughs) God, how many times I I remember like crystal clear goes today, sitting there at a sky rise uh, in Streeterville at my friend's apartment. We're both hungover watching this uh, YouTube video. And I said, how many years have I said I was going to run a marathon? I still haven't done one. And mm-hmm. I went run five miles on a Lakeshore Drive. Next day, I run five miles. Next day, I run five miles. And then I look at the training program. And I'm like, dude, I already did one week of 18. Nice. I want to sign up for it. And then the whole journey showed me that I can do things more than I, than, than I think I can. You have to keep pushing yourself. And also, you wanted it for many years. You were saying yeah. to yourself. And you don't want to die saying, shit, I wanted to die. do one, two, three, four things. I've never even tried. God, right? I, feel, I feel sick just thinking about that. Regret, regret is killing us, yeah. right? And the regret is so, I'm not going to say almost never happens for things we do, but mm. it happens so much more often for things we didn't do. Yeah. Because obviously we regret things we yeah. do as well. And I can't think of many. Yeah. But, but <laughs> much more often people regret and like, this is like a deep regret of of failure and of being miserable because I didn't do something I've wanted my entire life. So yeah. if you if you want something, go for it, right? right? Why wouldn't you? Right. There's one of my favorite quotes is uh, I'm not gonna get it wrong, but it's like 20 years from now you'll remember you'll not you remember you won't remember the things that you did do, but the things you wouldn't do. So say, set away from the safe harbor, sail away, live, dream, explore, whatever. But the whole point is that you're going to remember those things that you didn't do. And that, that mm-hmm. to me is like, that, oh, that would be painful. You know? so, so the best thing is not to remember anything when you're 20 years from now. The best thing to do is to spend your time doing customer service emails <laughs> a day. <laughs> and that's exactly the best way to spend your next 20 years. I love how you got that. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Great point. So, 
All right, cool. Well, we'll kind of wrap. Um, but up. I, I want to just just want to come back to to, yeah. to Goggins for a second, yeah. Because then I'm thinking about like we have talked about extremes yeah. at some point, and this guy is a little of extreme, right? He's extreme. He he runs like sixty hours a day, and then uh, sixty. He makes the extra thirty six hours. <laughs> thirty six. Like, yeah, your oh, math is getting yeah. better and better every hour. <laughs> Uh, and then meditates for two hours and then works out and then swims, runs, whatever. He's yeah. like, he does it for all day. To, for all day. Yeah. And he says he does it to build the mental armor. Yeah. I mean, he's preparing some sh- like very thick armor. I really don't know if there is a war for him like to, 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 that, that can't even go through this armor. And I'm thinking... I'm thinking sometimes, isn't this too much? Like, what is this preparing for? Like, what is he preferring for? Doesn't he prefer to enjoy his life instead? Mm. This is a good question. And what, what do you think is the opposite of that, though? Oh, not doing anything, sitting in front of on uh, in front of a TV, watching Netflix 16 hours a day on the couch, drinking beer? Yeah, I was thinking, like, the opposite of that is someone who seeks pleasure, right? A hedonistic lifestyle. So just chasing the the next you know high of what makes you feel better you know and this could be sex drugs alcohol whatever uh adrenaline and Mm -hmm. so you're chasing that and actually the story of uh delivering happiness tony is kind of i think what happened with him he he kept chasing pleasure and pleasure and pleasure and And he died and he died right and uh sadly and that that makes that puts puts the book i just want i just said it's so cool and such a different perspective so hard for me to tell you that because at the same time i had read the book about him his demise basically his his downfall right Mm -hmm. doing these these drugs he got into um god i forgot what it was nitrous oxide and he just keeps doing it more and more and it's kind of interesting to see his such a stupid drug to get used to like that's the thing is that it's, uh, it's 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 like addiction. You know, I once did this workshop on addiction and it's so true is that you get, you just start something, you know, you just want to try something, whether it's vaping, whether it's, you know, cocaine, whether it's drinking, whatever it is, you want to try something. And in the beginning, you still think you're in control. You know, I mean, like, in the very beginning you yeah, are, yeah, you are in control. Or you're, or, and then it becomes where it's, you're not in control, but you still think you're in control. Yeah. You're like, and I can quit. This. Lost. Yeah. I can quit anytime where I'm smoking. Soup. I can quit anytime. <laughs> but that's what happens is that you, you get into that, to that mindset where like, I can quit and all of a sudden becomes addiction. And what he's doing is that this is getting more and more with his oxide. And then he thinks in the end, he's telling everybody, cause some people are like starting to bring awareness, like, yo, this is going to bring you down. Like you're, like, you're losing weight. You're not healthy. You're just sitting in the room, like doing these knocks. oxide. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm almost on the path of enlightenment. Like I, I'm almost there. I almost know what's going to happen. And he succeeded so off so many times that everybody believed that he was just on the edge of doing something great again. But I think this is this shows a totally different problem because I think he treated like the the the, the, the years he was uh, building the company's apples, he was chasing the right the right thing because he was chasing happiness for everybody else. Right. Because what else makes us more happy when we're happy already? Yeah. To make everybody else happy. Right. It's it's just this is how people work. Like yeah. when you're happy, nothing brings you more joy and happiness than making other people happy. Mm-hmm. But he had so much power from such a young age. I, I think he was like worth 250 million when he was 23 or 26 very early. Mm. Right. So he had a power of buying and doing anything he ever wanted from very young age. Right. And I think at some point, he, sadly enough, he got bored of making other people happy mm. and he started to do other things. Mm. And, you know, like for some reason, a lot of 
celebrities, extremely rich people uh, end up doing hard drugs and dying. Like mm-hmm. this happened to so many stars, like I don't know, Elvis Presley or, or uh, Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you think they got lost? People get lost, but when you're extremely rich and extremely powerful, you're getting lost hurts a little more because you can't do everything. And when you can do everything, that's very often a little too much. Yeah. But this brings me back to our original question, right? So what happens- It's customer is- service, what I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> if I can do everything. <laughs> but it brings it back of what you said about David Goggins, right? And that's where kind of the point I was trying to make is that <clears throat> what happens is I think these people that are super rich is that they're- their typical needs of what a normal person is, which is to make money to, to pay for their, uh, let's say, housing. It's fulfilled. And, it's long it's fulfilled, time right? So what is the next thing they're looking for? Well, they're looking to increase their pleasure. And that's why they go into drugs or alcohol or sex or, you know, having whatever. It doesn't matter. They're, they're looking for pleasure. And how does that usually end up going out is that it usually ends up disastrous when you're just seeking a hedonistic lifestyle of, you yeah. know, just pleasure. Because then you're like... Well, why not do an extra drug? Why not do more? Why don't I keep in And what happens, I think, is your baseline of, you know, happiness increases. increases. And so I think one of the things, uh, one of the points I'm trying to make is that by doing that kind of Goggins, crazy, discipline, whatever, running lifestyle, that brings your baseline back down. So it makes your like, life miserable. <laughs> miserable. <laughs> but it makes you appreciate things, you know? Like, man, I would just love to just think about a relaxing Saturday without having to run 25 kilometers or 27. You know, that makes me appreciate getting brunch on Saturday, right? It brings you down. But sex, secondly, is that... Sex, sex, sex on your mind. Sex yeah. on a Saturday. Uh, but secondly, also, there is a satisfaction of when you kind of have that mindset that he does. And you can apply it not just to physical, like not, not just to... Um, you know, physical endurance races. But if you have that where you're kind of sacrificing something and working hard towards something, the satisfaction you'll feel from achieving that, whether it is a hundred miles. When you think about it, isn't this pleasure? It's just very different pleasure. He has, I'm sure he has a pleasure in doing this. And he does it to me a little too much uh, to an extreme. And I think we've talked about extremes a uh, a lot of times today. And it seems to me like life is always... And every aspect of your life is always to looking for the golden sweet spot. Mm-hmm. It's to find the balance. Yeah. Because when you think, when you have too much pleasure, you die overdosing. Right. If you have too much pain, you die of the misery. Yeah. If you have, if you, if you, if you, uh, if you don't like your goal, you just focus on the, on the now, you're also going to probably die of overdose or like just focus on today and forget to eat because you know i'm gonna eat tomorrow i'm gonna die tomorrow if i'm not gonna eat now right. and i have to make most of today but if you focus on your goals you forget about the the journey so it's it's always finding the sweet spot the mm-hmm. balance and i think like poor tony shay from and the from the book like went way too far for seeking pleasure and there is uh, there is people forgetting about their the pleasure and just working their asses off for right. 45 years and you know it's just it's hard to find a sweet spot because right. everybody has a different sweet spot right. and you can't find the book oh what is my sweet spot for for my family for my goals for my relationship for my friends everybody has a different one right. and i think that we spend a whole life looking for it yeah whoa we're gonna end on that oh, shit, shit. <laughs> 
philosopher in the house. All right. At the end of the podcast, I usually do a travel tribe toss up where we ask three random questions. Sure. I guess they're not so random because I thought of them already. Um, <laughs> but then you don't have them and you have to ask, answer the first thing that comes to mind. First right thing. Now. Yeah. No thinking. No thinking. Yeah. Are you ready? Let's try. All right. You have uh, successfully made all the money you want and you can live anywhere in the world. Where would you live? Half your Warsaw, <laughs> half your exotic island. <laughs> you laugh, you laugh at it. Anywhere in the world, you say Warsaw. What? Yeah. what why Warsaw? I mean, I can I can leave anybody. Anybody can leave everywhere they can. Yeah. Who can? Like, yeah. what, what is the place on the earth you can leave right now? Is there any? Like, if you have a uh, remote job, yeah. you can do it. Yeah. Like, you probably can't live in the middle of jungle because there is no internet and spiders eat your ass. Yeah. But other than that, today is the day. Yeah. Like, you can leave everywhere. I know. And I, and I choose to leave half the year here and half the Beautiful. year somewhere else. I love it. Damn, right. I was fucked. I got this. Oh, that Oof. was good. Oof. It's like you're a little prepared. All right. Second question What's the most embarrassing thing that happened to you? No, fuck you. I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> I'm saying it out loud. Last, last I don't. Even, I, I, I don't even want to hear the rest of the question. No, I'm, no. What is it? What is it? What is the most embarrassing thing or cultural misstep? Let's oh, say uh, while you've been abroad, anything that kind of really stands Damn, out. Like I for example, your... you're like in China, and all of a sudden you do something, and everyone's like, Dude. "Can you please tell the story about the the cup of coffee, of the cup of tea? Because this is this is so good that's better than anything I ever heard." <laughs> you <done>. like this? <laughs> Yeah, so all I'm just right, gonna I'm just gonna mirror it to you. <laughs> all right, so this <laughs> I feel so bad for this. What if this person's listening? So when I was teaching uh, in Korea, I taught these business classes, and there was this girl. Uh, she was like I don't know, 25, and she kept wanting to come visit us in our uh, neighborhood. And I used to live in Haebong, John, which is short as HBC. Were you there before? I think you were there. And what? In, in Seoul. Seoul. Yeah. I think you went to this neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it's where all the foreigners live. And for her and for many Koreans, it's almost like going to another country because uh, there's just so many foreigners that are there. They're, you know, the Koreans come with cameras and they're taking pictures of like the different <laughs> restaurants and they're like going to eat churros and stopping by the burger spot. So for them, it's so exotic almost they don't have to leave their country and so this this girl in my class kept asking if she could come for the weekend to come check out you know the neighborhood and come see you know what our apartment looks like and so finally after she was pestering me for a while I, I i agreed to it you know and you know i was already feeling like oh maybe i shouldn't you know as a student i don't want to you know mix students uh with you know <laughs> meeting up on the weekend she's gonna know where i live you know but anyways i decided because i'm such a nice guy for sure though <laughs> <laughs> the end of the success <laughs> tells it all. And so she comes to our house and she brings a gift. She's so lovely and she's so sweet. And she's just like taken back by everything, you know, by the food in our fridge, by our pictures, by our books. And it's me and my roommate uh, was also Polish-American. And so we offer her as like the most Polish custom thing to do is, hey, do you want some tea? And of course she agrees. And so we make her a tea. And so we're chatting and she's just, you know, asking us questions and all these things. And it's great. And then we're slowly wrapping things up and she, she has to go. She's like ready to go home. And so I'm like, okay, I'll walk you to the train station. And she takes her cup of tea, which she didn't finish. And she throws it into the sink. And at that point, <laughs> at that point my... <laughs> My, you know, I'm like, oh my goodness, did you, did you just pour out that tea? And like, I was like, yeah, like I was, and my roommate chimes, he's like, oh no, like, 
this is like in so Polish good. He backed you up on yeah, this. Like right away, immediately. Like he's like, oh, you know, in Polish culture, when you visit someone's house, like to throw away tea is like a sign that you didn't have a good time and that you didn't really enjoy the, you know, the company. And immediately, <laughs> I regretted it <laughs> because immediately. This girl went into a violent seizure <laughs> of shaking as if she just like killed her firstborn child. I, I've never <laughs> seen anybody being so regretful about the one action, you know? But she was offensive. I have so much. not seen somebody shake so hard. And she went to a panic attack. So she couldn't breathe. And she was just like this. She's shaking and she's almost can't breathe. And I didn't know what to do. I was shocked because for us, we. We thought it was funny, but it <laughs> definitely was. And now I feel really bad. I feel, every ten time years, I, every ten time years later, story, it's still funny. Every time I say this story, I feel terrible, and I regret it. And I'm very sorry if she's out there listening. I'm so sorry. It was a terrible joke, and it was actually it's not even a joke. It's just being a jerk. That's it's it's probably it, important to yeah to to to, <laughs> to say. It doesn't mean anything. Probably any culture, but it was a really good one. And so she started shaking. We finally get her to calm down after like 15 minutes of like shaking and we both feel really bad. We apologize. And then we like walk her back to the train station. And so she asked me if I could like not mention that to <laughs> the rest of the class. And oh, now I mentioned And you said, I will never tell it to anybody. And the whole world Sorry, Susan. Oh, oh. <laughs> sorry, Kim Young. I apologize. <laughs> Good thing you never mentioned her name. At least. <laughs> yeah. All right, last question. What has been your favorite food you've eaten abroad? Or anything mm. crazy that stands out that you were like, oh, I remember wow. when we went to Thailand with my friend Patrick mm. and we, we promised to each other, we're never going to say no for any challenge. And when it comes to eating, he's things. like, kiss me. You're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this, you know, we're happily married. <laughs> now we're happily together. <laughs> and now, and we, we had like, we just had the, the craziest Thai things, you know, spiders, scorpions, uh, some bugs, uh, crazy wasps. And, uh, and we're like trying to look tough, you know, and like looking at each other is nice. Of course I can take this challenge. I of a sheep. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like chewing it and like, yeah, it's tasty. Go with ketchup. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Ice, ice. We didn't have a brain. That's the only thing we didn't find, but we, we had, we had the worst things and most of them were horrible, <laughs> but we never said no. That's, Not even the ones. That's good. Did I ever tell you the story of the worst thing I ate? No, it isn't. Oh, my goodness. It was, of course, is in Korea. All my bad stories come from Korea. Although there's a lot of good stories, too. So my friend Doug came to visit me in Korea, and there's a fish market there. Mm. It's really interesting. It's in the middle of the city. And on the bottom floor, you can buy raw seafood, fish, uh, shrimp, I mean, anything. And so what we did was we decided that um, we're going to put money together. I don't know what it was, 25, 30 bucks. We're going to go negotiate because you have to like negotiate with these grandmas <laughs> nice. and grandpas. And they're like, it's negotiation, you know, which is like, this, you don't just say ask, like, no, not 15, no, like 10, no. So we have to do this in, in, with Korean uh, grandmas. And on the top, they have restaurants where you take your fresh seafood from, uh, where you take your fresh seafood too, and they'll barbecue it, grill it, put it into a soup. It's really, really cool. So you have fresh food, fresh seafood, and they make it. So we decided that we're going to get you know, like, you know, basic things that we know. 
So we got like shrimp and different things like that. And then we decided, hey, let's get one thing that's kind of something we never tried before. And so we see this <laughs> this creature on uh, on the table and um, we get it. It's actually fermented stingray. Do you know what stingray yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's got like a little face on the bottom. And um, so we, we, we order it from the, from, we, we buy it from the Korean grandma. And before she gives it to us, she like unpackages the, she's saying something to us in Korean and she unpackages the, the, the plastic and makes us smell it. And it smells terrible. Like, oh my God. And she's saying something to us. And we're like, yeah, 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 it's okay. It's exactly what we wanted, right? And, um, because I had assumed that they were going to take this and they're going to boil it so that smell would be gone. And so when we go to the chef upstairs in the restaurant, he takes all our seafood and then uh, he comes back. Everything's barbecued and everything's really delicious. And me and my friend Doug are ready to eat. And then he, he gives us the stingray and it's not cooked. And he's, he's talking to us and he kind of tells in his broken English that this you're supposed to eat raw, kind of like sushi. You're not supposed to cook it because oh. it's fermented. And so we're like, hey, let's try it. <laughs> and so we, we take our chopsticks and we, we take a piece of this fermented stingray. We cheers each other and we eat it immediately, immediately go into a violent gag, you know, <laughs> because it, 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 it has a smell of ammonia, kind of like, you know, the stuff ah. you clean your toilet with and your body has a reflex to immediately start wanting to throw up when you have this kind of smell or taste. Yeah. And, and so we're like dying. Like, uh, uh, uh. And the Koreans next to us are just like, dying laughing because they're like what's wrong with you guys you know and they, they think that we're like out of our mind we're, like, we're literally doug is like red and he's almost purple it looks like he's been choking and i'm also like about to vomit and these guys are just laughing so we we, we they like look over to us and then they just they just ask if they can try it and they just take the rest of it and they just eat it like like it's nothing they're like laughing and drinking their beer so that was the worst thing ever. i also had a goat eyeball no oh, go with eyeball oh, i guess yeah. it's a delicacy in greece yeah, eyes, those eyes, you know, uh, the texture eyes. is like, it's like, gl- like glue putty. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I've had better things. I've had better things too. All right. Philip Nishako, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Jordan. Kniel Fardovsky. And the way we're going to end things is with lots of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ciao. Good job. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Travel Tribe Podcast. Join us each Tuesday as we release new episodes with great adventures. Until then, remember, the most dangerous thing you can do in life is to play it safe.